It's Monday in the Cypher. Let's do some feel-good music. Let's do something to get us started, get this week going right. A couple of games into the NBA season. And what is everybody talking about? Is what happened on Saturday night. Rajon Rondo, Chris Paul get into a fight. Argument. Rondo spits on Chris Paul. Rondo hooks off on Chris Paul. Chris Paul tries to swing back. Catches him a couple times. And suspensions are handed out, which they should be. But let's rewind and how it all started. James Harden doesn't doing what James Harden does. Attacking the basket, going downhill, frustrating young boy, Brandon Ingram. Because when James Harden is so clever with the basketball, even when you play him right, even when you move your feet, and when you're in the proper position, because he's so clever, so strong, and how low he keeps the ball, he's going to get that call. He's able to get the call often when he shivers you and flails his hands in the air. He gave Brandon Ingram a chicken wing, and he'd done it a couple times. Ingram got frustrated. He shoved Harden, went to the ref, got in the ref's face. Young kid lost composure. And at that moment, good, Lance Stevenson steps in. You think it's a wrap, but no. Chris Paul and Rondo who's no secret, they're not fans of each other. They're not friends. They have a strong dislike for one another. Maybe it's because mentality-wise, they're very similar. And so they go back and forth. They say a few words. Rondo spits. Chris Paul finger all up in Rondo's face. And then Rondo hooks off, and we go from there. And then Brandon Ingram, again, showing immaturity, out of control. While Chris Paul is being held, comes in and gets the sneak punch. That's just bad all the way around. And it's a bad look for the NBA. But let, let me give the NBA's power that be credit. They wasted no time in handing out suspensions. Now, I know if you're a Chris Paul fan or if you're just a fan of the league, maybe you think Chris Paul sh- shouldn't get suspended. Here's the thing. If Rondo spit on him, which there's film that shows he did, Chris Paul still got his hand in his face. Not just put his hand in his face. His hand was literally in and on Rondo's face. And then, of course, he responded like anybody would to Rondo being swinging on him and hitting him. What is Chris Paul supposed to do? You're supposed to respond. That's It's just human nature. But for Brandon Ingram to basically start all of it, and then get the sneak punch in. He should have got the most time. Rajon Rondo spitting on somebody. I, to me, 10 games. At least 10 games. Mind you, it's no secret. My favorite team growing up, growing up, and it's still my favorite team, the Lakers. But as a basketball fan, as a fan of the game, I wasn't feeling that. I didn't like that. And I get him being upset, but there's nothing someone can say to you that you go back and forth in a conversation. You're a man and you spit in another man's face. I'm sorry. I think Rondo was wrong on that. So, of course, in the aftermath, a lot of people say, hey, where does that leave the Lakers? Where does that leave the Rockets in the bigger picture? And really, it's not that complicated. The Lakers are 0-2. They're not a very good team offensively they're not a very good team defensively offensively they're ranked 27th out of 30 defensively 
21st out of 30. And when you look at how they play, no, it's not a shock that the Lakers weren't going to be a very good three-point shooting team. I would question shot selection with some of the players. And I'd wonder how, how the ball is being dished out, how it's being distributed amongst the players. Rondo is getting his numbers. Rondo's giving you 13 points, 10 assists, 5 rebounds. We're not surprised about that. LeBron going for 25 Eight assists or eight rebounds, I'm sorry, and five assists. We're not surprised about that. I think the disappointment is people were looking at Kuzma and Ingram and Lonzo. And think about this. This is where we are. A lot of sports fans, not just basketball, but a lot of sports fans, we become prisoner in a moment. We're just two games into the season, three for some teams. And people are always talking about they need to trade. They need to make a move. And there's a part of me that gets caught up in that, and I become prisoner at the moment. I'm like, you know what? You're right. Maybe we need to put a package together, and there's the rumors about Damian Lillard and Jimmy Butler still out there. And there's the other side of me that says, it's two games in. It's an 82-game season. And they've really only played together over a two-week span. You've got to give this team time to develop some kind of cohesion you got to give Rondo, LeBron, Kyle Kuzma, Alonzo, and company, KCP. you got to give the whole crew time to gel and get to know each other because you have two factions. That young core knows each other. They've played together. And then some of these other older players, including LeBron, have come in. And there needs to be a chemistry. And that takes time. I'm not backing off what I said. I'm going to hold to what I said. I still think the Lakers ultimately will be a four or five seed with the current roster, with the current roster. My issue is. It seems like the substitution patterns are scattered. And they're still looking for an identity and they're looking for their groupings. Does LeBron play better with Kuzma and Lonzo? So far, it looks like LeBron and Rondo click, but. KCP seems to be lost in the shuffle. Caldwell Pope in two games has only taken five shots. That's crazy. And he's not shooting well. Below 30% from the field. Below 30% from three. And he's not the only one. To be fair, Kyle Kuzma is hoisting up 14 shots a game. That's not a surprise. That's what Kuzma does. He's a scorer, but he's shooting less than 36% from the field and less than 20% from three. And he's taking six threes per game. Here's the thing. I like Kuzma. I'm a fan. But if you're not shooting that well from three, you're 6'9", with the ability to put the ball on the floor. Attack the basket. Get in the post. Get yourself to the foul line. Then again, I'm not sure that's the answer either. The Lakers, they were a bad free throw shooting team last year. They're not a good one this year. Two games in, I don't want to be Stan Van Gundy, but there are a lot of fans out there doing the master of panic thing. I'd like to think of it as I'm aware of their weaknesses thus far to this point. I'm also aware that this takes time. I'm also aware that what they are right now today at 0-2, that could swing in a week. But more importantly, I think a better gauge on the team, and I've said this before, Let's get 25, 30 games in. 
Then you have a better gauge of who you are, what you do well, and what you struggle with, and what are your rotations. The Lakers are playing nine players. And should they still struggle with chemistry, maybe the rotation shortens, which means more minutes for LeBron, which you don't want. He's already playing 38 minutes a game. I'm certain that was not the plan. If he stays at 38 minutes a game over the course of this season, he won't have much left going into the playoffs, and they will make the playoffs. Again, it's early. Let's not lose our heads. Even though I'm, I'm, I'm part of the problem in some ways because I sit there and I go, I'm looking for more from Lonzo. I don't think I'm not talking about superstar numbers. I'm just talking about consistency. Maybe more importantly, a show of aggression. And he just I, I don't see the show of aggression. He seems to play in spurts and sure, he's getting back from injury, but he played in spurts. Most of last season when he did play, he has talent. I just don't know his role on this current team because if Rondo and LeBron are going to get the bulk of the minutes in terms of handling the ball and running the offense. I don't know where Lonzo gets to do what he does best, which is pass the basketball. How is he going to get the minutes and the opportunities when he's on the floor with either of those guys? He becomes a spot up shooter. That's one of those questions that Luke Walton, Magic and company are going to have to answer over the course of the season. So where that leaves the Lakers, they're just 0-2. And they're not, they're not the only team that's 0-2. There's teams that are 0-3. OKC's 0-3. The Lakers are going to be fine. Give it some time. To develop young players, you have to let them play. And when you're developing young players and they're playing with the best player in basketball... I think in some ways there can be a little bit of intimidation, but there also could be the situation of just knowing when to pick your spots because of your, you're going to have to play off of him. And I think that's an adjustment for Kuzma. That's an adjustment for Ingram, but give them some time. We're talking about a guy that's 21, a guy that's 23. This young core, Hart's 23. Lonzo's 21. These are young guys. They're still developing. Don't lose your mind over being 0-2. We've been down this road before. And I would say that to all NBA fans. I don't care if you're a King fan, a Magic fan. It's early. If you're a Pelicans fan, a team that people should be looking at, a team that I mentioned before, before the season started, two games in. Am I surprised that the Nuggets are undefeated? I'm not. The Nuggets have the true unicorn in Nikolai Djokovic, the Joker, Right now, 26 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, a block, and a steal per game. He's a bad man. Then you throw in Gary Harris, talented shooting guard, can put it on the deck and can shoot from distance. And Jamal Murray hasn't even gotten off to a good start yet. He's actually struggling shooting 30% from the field so far. So is Paul Millsap. The Nuggets aren't really playing their best basketball as a unit in their 3-0. This Nuggets team... Watch them. They're going to be a problem. When you look at what the Pelicans are doing, it's no shock. We know AD, you can book him for 28, 30 a night with 13 rebounds. The seven assists so far are very impressive. He's expanding his game and making himself more of a distributor. I love it. Then you throw in what Miritich is doing. Now, I don't think Miritich is going to be able to average 33 points a game over the course of 82 games. 
But could Miritich average around 20, 22 points a game consistently? Maybe even 25? Yes, he can. And this is with him still not developing his post game all the way through. Miritich is doing most of his damage from the three-point line. The man is shooting 60% from the floor, 64% from three. And he's giving you nine rebounds. Then you throw in the guy that the Lakers left. Let go. Julius Randle coming off the bench. 19 points, 11 rebounds. These numbers that the three of these guys are putting up, I've said this before. This is something that the Celtics big three didn't put up. These are numbers that Bird, Parrish, McHale didn't put up. Do I think it's sustainable, the bigger numbers from Miritage and Randall? No, I don't think he's going to go 33, and I don't think Randall will do 19. But could Randall average 16 points a game and 11 rebounds? If he's playing... 25 minutes a game and they're letting him play with the freedom that they're letting him play with. Yes, he can. This front line is going to be a problem for any team in basketball. The only thing I question, I've said it before, going back to it outside of Drew Holiday, can they get consistent perimeter play? That's the question. If you're a Pelicans fan and if you're looking at the champs again, it's early. Don't lose your mind. Golden State fans, you just lost one game and you could say, The first couple of games have been close. They have. And and part of that is this. Teams are trapping down on KD and Steph when they turn the corner. Teams are not leaving Clay. Basically, they're saying whoever guards Clay Thompson, no matter what's going on, even if I get blown by, don't leave Clay Thompson. I wouldn't. And what they're doing is they're challenging Damian Jones and Draymond to score. Draymond's still great defender. Still a very good facilitator, rebounder, but teams are leaving him open, and he is struggling with his shot again. He's only shooting 36% from the floor, 20% from three. Draymond's got to find a way to be more efficient and more productive as a scorer to loosen things up and get more space for not just himself, stay for Steph, for Clay. And Clay Thompson is struggling. Clay Thompson, if I told you Clay Thompson would be shooting under 20% from three, he and KD, you'd think I was crazy. That's what's going on. The only guy who's not struggling, Steph. Steph is killing the game. Steph is shooting 50% from the floor, 47% from three. Averaging 31 points and over seven assists. Golden State is going to always get everybody else's best shot. That's what happens when you're the king. That's what happens when you're the three-time out of the last four seasons champ. Everybody's coming for your neck. So this isn't a shock. And I expect they'll make adjustments. But what they're going to really need to get through this regular season is they're going to have to find some kind of firepower, some kind of scorer who can give them 12 to 15 points a game off the bench. And right now, I don't see that player. When you look at what's going on in the East with the Raptors, look, it's a culture change. It's a culture shift. Kawhi Leonard comes in, and I think he he just brought brought in, like, another kind of attitude. And some of us sometimes forget that it wasn't just Kawhi. Danny Green comes in, and people forget Danny Green is one of the better perimeter defenders in the NBA himself. He's also a very good three-point shooter. So when you brought in Kawhi, you brought in another very good top flight perimeter defender. And even though Kawhi is not shooting a high percentage, he is attacking the basket. He is getting to the foul line. 27 points, 11 rebounds these first 
three games. And Kyle Lowry right now, he might be playing the point guard position as good as anybody not named Steph. 23 points a game, just under nine assists, shooting 60% from the floor and 60% from three. And it's not one of those, those fluke 60%. The man is taking seven threes per game, and he's shooting 60% from three. Sergi Baca hasn't played this well in the last three or four years. If he can sustain this, if Serge is going to give you 15 and seven in a couple of blocks per game and shooting the percentage he's shooting at, then yes, the Toronto Raptors are going to be a problem for the Boston Celtics and anybody else in the NBA book that. And when I look at the Celtics, the defense is still on point. They're the second best defense in the league right now, and I, I suspect they'll stay somewhere between one and two all year. I think there's a struggle with minutes. There's a struggle with shots like I thought there would be. And the chemistry doesn't seem quite there offensively. Jason Tatum leading the way with 21 points a game, 10 rebounds. We saw that. He's an ascending player. Jason Tatum is on pace to be an all-star, and I think he will be. I think Kyrie has been struggling with his shot. He's only shooting 34% in the early going, as well as Jalen Brown at 37%. I think Boston has got to find a way to where they can find a pecking order to where shots aren't an issue. Someone out of these nine guys in this rotation is going to have to sacrifice shots for the betterment of the team. And with the Sixers, when you look at what they're doing, they're having the same struggles that the Celtics are having, but for different reasons. Of course, Embiid is going to put up numbers. Joel Embiid, 28 and 10. You're looking at Covington, and Covington, one of the elite perimeter defenders, he actually is playing well, and he's shooting well. I think Sarge still hasn't found his legs yet. Reddick is shooting lights out, but Ben Simmons... We expected a little bit more offense from him this year. And look, if the Sixers are going to go to another level and they're going to actually be that surprise team that I project them to be, never mind what Markel Fultz can give you. Ben Simmons has got to average close to 20 points a game, maybe 18 points a game. He's got to be more of a scoring factor to alleviate pressure, not just from Joel Embiid, but with his ability to get downhill and attack the basket, he'll open up better looks for Redick, Sarich, and their other shooters. Right now, Philly's winning games, but they're struggling. When I look at the Bucks and what they're doing so far, so far early in the season, again, master of a panics, and a lot of us are going crazy over it. And I, and I don't get too high or low. I really try not to. But sometimes I get split. There's part of me to going, wow, look at the Bucks. The Bucks are going to make some noise being in the conference finals. And then there's the more cautious me, the more deliberate me that says, it's early. I expect the production from Giannis. I expect the production that they're getting from Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton, 26 point, 21 points, 6.5 rebounds, 4 assists. Giannis, 25 points, 16 rebounds, and 6.5 assists. They have their number one and two guy. They even have that, that starter who's not a star but a very good player and can do a little bit of everything right in Malcolm Brogdon. What they don't have is their fourth and fifth guys, not consistently. Eric Bledsoe has all the talent in the world, and you always need a little bit more for them or from him. And so far, he's giving you just enough. This is a young, up-and-coming team, and I really think at some point they got to move off of Eric Bledsoe. 
I like the addition of DiVincenzo. I think that as the season goes on, he will get more minutes. And I think that as the season goes on, because of his ability to step out as a big, Brooke Lopez will become a bigger factor. The Rockets, the problem with them is real simple. They're they're struggling in terms of finding a role, I think, for Carmelo. I think a lot of us thought once Carmelo went to the Rockets, because of the, the ability of CP3 to run a team, to get him easier shots, for Harden to break people off the dribble and get him easier looks, he would become more effective. But I thought he'd become more effective in the sense they'd get him more mid-range opportunities. I thought that Mello was going to operate from the mid-post mostly with the Rockets or even in the post at different times. If his role on the Rockets is just to be a catch-and-shoot three-point player, then he might as well retire now. Carmelo Anthony has the ability to make threes, but he never shot it well enough to just be a catch-and-shoot guy. And I know people will bring up what he did with the Olympics. That's the Olympics, and they're play- and, and in my opinion, they're playing against lesser competition. It, it, there just wasn't the pressure that there is in the NBA. Carmelo Anthony, again, he is not a pure shooter. And if his only role is to stand out there and shoot open threes, guess what? Most teams will let him shoot. He just doesn't shoot that high a percentage. And, and if that's all he's going to do, you have no value because he doesn't play defense. He just doesn't. I thought they would put him in the post. I thought, remember, he's 6'9", 245 with a post game. I thought for sure Mello would get in the post, and he's done exactly what he did in OKC. He's jacking up five threes a game, and he's shooting 20% from three. Now, I'm sure that will go up, but will it go up enough for him to have a real impact? Look, if you're going to shoot threes as a spot-up shooter, you need to shoot 37% or better. And Melo's not doing that. If I'm Houston, I'm not saying I would waive him, but until he plays better, I'm gonna give James Ennis more minutes. Doing a quick show today, guys, but I will make it up to you, fam. Trust me on Tuesday's show. So we'll do some Facebook questions. This is from Al. Can you honestly say you really believe that Brandon Ingram will be a superstar? No. And to be honest with you, Al, I think Brandon Ingram has a big upside. But I mean big upside in the sense that I think he will be an impactful player. And I think he has the potential to be an all-star caliber player. But I don't see superstar. I never did. And there's there's no way of knowing he'll actually reach that ceiling. So for anybody out there who thinks he's going to be a superstar... I don't see that, but to say that he's he's a finished product and he can't still evolve or get better, I disagree with that. Said he says said, I told everybody that the Lakers wasn't making the playoffs, and now you all see that I'm right. Well, if the season ended today, you'd be 100% right. But since for the Lakers, they're just 0-2 with 80 ahead of them, when it's all said and done, barring a major injury, said he said, Fam, you're going to be proven wrong. So remember this conversation. Remember my response because you can bring it back up. You know I will the next time we have this kind of conversation. H. Harris said, when will Laker fans admit Lonzo is no better than Michael Carter Williams (laughs) 2.0? 
<laughs> you know what? What I'll say is I thought Lonzo would be a good player. Again, we have to put potential in front of these younger players. I'm not one of those people that thought Lonzo would be Jason Kidd. I think he would be very good. I don't think he'll be a transcendent player. I was never on board with that. So if you're there, H. Harris, then I hear you. But like Ingram, to say he's a finished product that can evolve and become maybe even an all-star caliber player. I'm not sure I'm with you on that one. Let's wait and see. Big George says the East is set. You can book it. Raptors, Celtic, nobody's going to get in their way. This is a done deal. I don't think it's a done deal. I think ultimately they're the favorites, but I still have Philly pulling off a move and pulling off the upset. Shout out to Anchor and the Anchor app and the whole Anchor family. Love this spot. Good looking out, Facebook fam, and all your responses, your questions. I appreciate you. I'll hit you guys back tomorrow. Most definitely, we'll do some more NBA. We'll talk more NFL. Let me give a shout out to Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense. And a little shout out to the defense because they looked really good yesterday. They did their thing. Shout out to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, Jared Goff and the Rams. Can't wait till November 19th. Love to see that game. That's going to be a blast. And to no surprise, Tom Terrific, a.k.a. that dude, Tom Brady and the Patriots. Once again, running the AFC East as usual. I'm going to hit you guys back. H may or may not join me. You may actually hear from the rumor that is called the Rev. But if not, it's the Cypher. And I'll hit you with this.